to American Riviera Bank's Regional Pulse. This is Michelle Martinich, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of the bank. Today I have Nancy Martz with me. Nancy is the Executive Director of Apples to Zucchini Cooking School. She's been involved with nonprofits for almost 20 years, helping start three nonprofits, sitting on several boards, and volunteering much of her time to causes that matter. Welcome, Nancy. It's so good to see you. Thanks. It's great to be here. And we're also friends, so that makes this fun, too. But I do know a little bit about the apples to zucchini, but I don't know the whole story. So can we start there, Nancy? Sure. Uh, so we just celebrated our fifth birthday two weeks ago. I know, very exciting. Um, let's see. I started hatching the idea in 2015. My older son was in sixth grade at Marymount, and they did um, a program, part of the UN World Food Day. If you're familiar with the dollar 50 challenge where um, yeah. it's a it's about food insecurity poverty hunger and so the idea is um, what would it feel like to eat only a dollar 50s worth of food in a day and um, it's it's in the schools it's partly a math um, right. program but it it also opens up this conversation so I was sitting with him kind of working on you know coming up with a menu that would feed him for the day. Um, and I thought a little bit farther beyond that and said, okay, if I'm a family of four, what does this look like? That's $42 a week to feed your family. Wow. It's not impossible. It's not impossible if you know how to cook and you know what to buy. If you do not know how to cook, it's impossible. People might think, oh, but the $1.50 menu. Okay, you just bought one hamburger and maybe a side of french fries. That's that's maybe a meal. And no nutrition in that. And no nutrition, exactly. So I started thinking, okay, if you don't know how to cook, how are you doing this? And um, at the same time, my family was volunteering at the food bank on the, the Saturday weekends where right. we would sort the food with other families. We'd have these big, huge bins of produce, and every once in a while, there was sort of a mystery produce, like maybe dragon fruit or something, and somebody would say, what is this? And somebody else would say, well, I think it's this, I think somebody could Google it. Okay, so imagine you're a family, and you get some food donated from Unity Shop, or the Food Bank, or all these other amazing organizations in Santa Barbara. And maybe it's not even mystery food, maybe it's a leek, or... Um, a those are mysteries to me. Those are so mysteries too. All right, come to A to Z and we'll show you what to do with this. Yeah. So you get this produce, you get something. Um, maybe you don't have Google. Maybe you don't have internet at home, so you can't look it up. Maybe you can look it up and the recipe says to dice and saute. If you don't know what dice and saute are, you, you're, you're no better off. So I realized that what it's going to take for families to feed themselves good nutrition and really affordably is that they need to learn how to cook. Um, did you have home ec when you were in high school? I did. I remember learning to make lemon meringue pie. Uh-huh. Super useful. But you I've had never it. made lemon meringue pie <laughs> since then, so yeah. But, but you yeah. had it, and you and I are about the same age, and I survey you know, other people our age, and I would say about 50% of us had home ec, and 50% of us did not. I did not have home ec. We had like a home ec classroom at our school, but I think they had already phased out home ec and had replaced it with typing. Um, so 
we have this whole generation and generations coming down that never learned how to cook. So now we've got, maybe you saw your mom, maybe your dad, maybe your grandmother cooking, but today's kids, if they're not even seeing their parents cooking, they have absolutely no idea. But we decided that teaching the kids to cook was gonna be the way to go rather than teaching the adults to cook for two reasons. Kids have a little bit more time on their hands. They're done with school at 2.30 and we're not done with work until five if we're lucky. Also, if the kid comes home and says, mom, we have to make kale chips. You're gonna be like, yeah, we're making kale chips. If you come home and go, kids, I learned how to make kale chips this weekend, they're gonna be like, right, good luck with that, mom. So when the kids come home and say things like, I never knew I liked carrots more than pasta. Mango is my favorite fruit. The parents, they'll run out and buy carrots. They'll buy the mango, you know, they'll, they'll, they will feed this love of cooking and this curiosity and this experimentation. So those were, those were the seeds that kind of got planted in me. And I thought, you know, let's, let's teach kids how to cook. And so I looked around town to see if somebody was already doing it and I could just join them. Do I really need to start a nonprofit? But nobody was, nobody was doing just that. Yeah, there's some cooking classes after school. I know at Peabody we have one, but it was really just those kids and it was pretty basic. Right, and, it a, was better than that. and a lot of the classes are baking. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with baking, but that's not three square meals. You know, that's right. not really understanding nutrition and, and focusing on affordability um, and making making meals. Um, so, so, so yeah, so we decided to start it and the first place that I went was the Santa Barbara Foundation and they were our fiscal sponsorship fund, our fiscal sponsor, until we became an independent 501c3 a little over a year ago. So that's the beginning. That's our origin story. That's <laughs> so cool. I know that knowing how to cook is so important because my mom did not like cooking. Therefore, I'm not a big fan of cooking totally good doing the dishes and thankfully for me instead of a cooking class I chose well and my husband loves to cook so the kids see him cooking and we see all of that happening and there's a lot of talk about eating vegetables and balanced foods but um, yes if it was left to me there'd be a lot of takeout we would not be able to eat off a dollar fifty a day and we would be lacking a lot of nutrition so definitely value all of that well it's funny because my mom didn't like to cook but I decided I want to eat something better than this. Um, and I wanna have control over what I'm eating. So I read, this was before, I guess Julia Child was on, but it was on PBS when I, it, was, it wasn't streaming on demand. <laughs> and it was before the Food Network. So I would read cookbooks and, and magazines and taught myself how to cook. And so in high school, I was actually cooking for the family several nights a week. So, I mean, it was often, shake and bake or hamburger helper but it was it was something and then i would learn how to improvise and, and experiment i was just a very curious person in the kitchen that's so fun yeah. and i do i also agree the more exposure you get the better i am loving these free lunches right now for the kids because i've got my kids my little one brings home lunches every day from school and it's a no risk situation if she comes home and she doesn't like it she's home and she is finding so many new things that she likes and that I love opening up their palates and that no risk. So how many kids and how many families are you touching now with the program? So, um, 
since the pandemic began, we have been teaching, we did summer camp this summer. Um, we ended up with 16 kids this summer. It should have been 48, but we were glad that we were at least able to do it live and in person. And now we've been doing outdoor classes after school since September, and we're teaching 25 kids per term. Normally it would be 60, so our numbers are all down, but we're still, we're still teaching these kids and it's really, um, it's great to see their progression. We've got a couple of kids that have been with us since the summer and they keep coming back, um, which is, is great because we can really see their skills develop and their taste and their curiosity. And if we're doing something that feels a little repetitive to them, we have made salsa. That's fantastic. Can you teach the class how to do it? And then they'll kind of step up and, and, and take some leadership. So that's been really exciting. So yeah, we've got 25 kids right now. We're at two different campuses. We're using the garden at Garden Speed Academy. Okay. We have the kitchen there, but um, actually I think we did, we went back in the kitchen this week because we're getting closer to the red yeah. tier. And then we also use the garden at Pilgrim Terrace over on Modoc. They have a beautiful urban garden. They have tower gardens. They have a community garden. So it's really neat that the kids can kind of see all the different ways that produce grows. Um, and we're able to kind of go pick a carrot and, um, and, and show them how, well, these are vines and these are roots and these aren't ready yet. And these are overripe just to really see that whole process is neat. And then, like I said, we have our garden at, um, at Garden Street Academy. So the kids are actually planting there and we'll be harvesting. Um, and we'll be doing a spring break camp and fingers crossed we're doing summer camp as well. So uh, in a normal circumstance, we would be having about 60 kids in a semester. And then we're also starting to add programs with other nonprofits. We've been teaching at Safe House, which is a, it's a small short-term residential treatment home for young women who've been removed from commercial sex trafficking circumstances. So we actually go into their home, into their kitchen and teach them how to cook twice a month. We sit down, we bring our own beautiful tablecloths and we sit down and we have a conversation and we learn how to pass the potatoes and wait for everyone to be served before we eat and all that etiquette. That's for everybody, not just for the girls in the treatment home. This is what we do in all of our classes. And then after we're done eating, the kids do all the dishes and put everything away. I read about that. I love that you're teaching that food is about fellowship and conversation. It's not just about who can shove it into their body as fast as they can, that to take the time and enjoy the meal. I, I love that. I thought cotillion. Right, uh, right. <laughs> cotillion. Well, we talk, about, we talk about feeding your soul, not just your body. Yes. Yeah. It's so valuable, especially when you're working with families and kids that this is a new experience and if you're reaching out to these shelters to, um, to learn that, that there's fellowship and ways to be together and, and to let the body and the mind come together that's that yeah so we're reaching out to um, we're we're talking to Noah's Anchorage and domestic violence solutions and family care network and um, we're ho we'd love to get into transition house if you're out there transition house we'd love to work with you and my home at artisan court and boys and girls club and girls Inc we want to reach all the kids and all the teens in Santa Barbara. We also work with the library. Mostly what we've been doing with them is um, that's our one virtual program 
once a month we do a story time where they read a story to the little kids and then we do a recipe that kind of goes hand in hand with the story time so that's been really fun um, we're hoping to work with their teens once they're back on site uh, so yeah really for us um, the sky's the limit um, we just we want to reach everybody but what's really important to us is that the kids are actually, these are hands-on cooking classes. We don't stand up in front of a hundred kids and do a demo. We are really putting knives in their hands and showing them how to, how to slice and dice and mince and julienne and how to saute and boil and roast um, and sear and brown and um, mix and fold and all of those things. Um, and then we sit down together. So we, most of our classes are limited to only 12 kids so that we can really have a manageable conversation and doing the dishes is very funny we'll always get that kid who goes i already washed my dishes i understand that you washed your plate and your fork but what about the pot and the skillet and the serveware oh, okay fine and then they storm off to the sink and you know, but it's just that reminder of you're part of a community and you know somebody else maybe washed your dish and your fork because they're doing the plates and the know that it's it's really really important there was just an article today in the New York Times about the importance of kids having chores and there's countless there's so many of these articles the importance of kids doing chores it's really important even though they complain they do feel good about it they're part of something and in the end they can see they're part of something they feel valued um, we might have to fight them about it but in the end, yeah, I agree. There's appreciation for it. Yeah, they well, they they realize that this is what adults do. This is what it means to grow up. And if my parents are doing everything for me, I'm never going to grow up. And they they make that connection. I love that you take the fear out of some of the words. All those words you just went through: braising and folding and stirring and and sifting. That can be so scary. Like I can't even think of half of them when you read a recipe. So the sooner that becomes part of vocabulary. It's not scary, which is very empowering. I love that. So how do you, these are great organizations, but how are you funding this? So there's two different ways we are funded. Um, one is through program fees. So all of our after school programs and our summer camps, we charge families um, a market rate. It's similar to what they would be paying for any other after school or summer camps. We are generous with scholarships. Anyone who asks for a scholarship gets one. We just say, tell us what you can pay for. Um, and uh, so, so we're able, so that brings in about 30% of our income. And then we're funded by nonprofits and businesses. We're funded by American Riviera Bank. You guys, I think you're the only organization that has funded us every single year since we began. Well, we do like to eat. You do like to eat. and. Um, so when people see that you support us, then there's sort of that good housekeeping seal of approval. So we've got funding from businesses like you. Um, once we left the nest of the Santa Barbara Foundation and we weren't a fiscal sponsorship fund anymore, they were able to fund us. So they've given us actually two grants this year, one to help cover salaries because of the uh, income losses that we've suffered through COVID and also they've given us a grant to help us do outreach and communicate our message um, to a broader audience um, and then just general fundraising so other nonprofits and family and friends um, 
if, if people work for a company that does matching um, donations to their to their gifts so um, there's lots of lots of ways that that we're getting funded also um, most of our food costs are covered the farmers market has been tremendously generous they give a, they they provide all of our produce um, basically he just gives us tokens and we're able to go and choose what we want so we're not getting there's nothing wrong with getting the leftovers at the end of the day but when we're going in we're choosing Ooh, I want these yellow peppers and these red peppers and this week we need really big onions and next week we're gonna need tiny little shallots we get whatever we want it's just been so amazing and then we're able to share that message with the kids don't forget to go to farmers market and with our summer camp two years ago before the COVID we were able to do a, a field trip to the Friday morning farmers market and Sam Edelman the director met us and talked to the kids about farming and the farming community and sustainability and, and where all this comes from and why it's important to have that in our community um, we also are supported by grocery outlet um, they have been tremendously generous uh, they give us hundred dollar gift cards which if you've been to grocery outlet a hundred dollars lasts forever it's amazing now the song's in my head just so you know you yeah the song's in your head but they they they've been so generous but you know we get olive oil we get bragg's apple cider vinegar we get beans beans are tremendously affordable food super versatile they have all different kinds of beans we get masaka for when we make our tortillas um they have a great selection of dried fruits and nuts which we use for our granolas and our oatmeal and our energy bike they have oats they have they have a lot of highly processed foods, but they also have a lot of staple foods that are just the building blocks for all the recipes that we have. They also have produce. So if, if we do need something that is out of season, we can get it there. Um, we really try to be seasonal, but it turns out that onions are not in season right now. What? I know they're a summer crop and then you, and then you put them up you you put them in your onion in your root cellar yeah for the okay. winter right so they're not growing right now you can get shallots but not onions hmm. so when we made our carrot soup last week we needed onions so we went to to grocery outlet so they they've been amazing and then you know trader joe's gives us once a year we get a small donation which is great because they also have such fun and exciting you know different sauces and cool ingredients and stuff like that so um so those are all of our different funding sources and then also we're supporting um, California Walnuts, the National Honey Board. So we're getting um, ingredients and recipes from those organizations as well. Well, Nancy, I am not surprised. You are very good at getting the word out there and networking. So I am not surprised to hear that you guys have so much support. I well, and, I, and it's varied and diverse. Yeah, and I do so much of it because I'm super curious. Like, wow, walnuts, tell me more, you know? Um, and I it was really funny two years ago a year and a half ago when we did our summer camp that was pre-COVID we had amazing field trips every day we went to Pacific Pickle Works and we got to make our own pickles Fun. we went to Trader Joe's and got to go behind the scenes which is so exciting we went to the pastry kitchen at the Biltmore I mean it was amazing we we went to the fish market um, to their uh, their wholesale shop and got to see behind the scenes how they do everything and I remember one of the dads 
came to pick up his daughter from camp and he said, these field trips are amazing. How, like, how, how do you get to do this? And I said, I just call these places <laughs> and say, I love what you're doing. There's a, there's a place here in town called Food Tools. It's a company that builds machines that will specifically cut your lemon meringue pie, your brownies, your whatever it is you're making. You say, all right, this is the sheet I'm making and I'm gonna need these things in two by two squares. Okay. And then if you want that little paper that's in between oh, the right. slices, they do that. So I called, the, I called and I said, I would love to do a tour for our summer camp. And he said, um, do you know what we do? I said, yeah, you make these tools that cut food. And he said, yeah, you know exactly what we do. And I went and visited, it was amazing. It just, we could not squeeze it into our completely packed week. But it, it's those kinds of things where I read about something and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to go. The kids would love it. But it's because I would love it. So you need an adult foodie camp. I do. I, you're not so the first fun. one to say this. People ask, and we'd love to do adult classes. We just, we just don't have the, we don't have the time right now, but it's absolutely on the list. But yes, these kinds of places, like make your own pickles, kind of peel the curtain back and see, you know. Featuring a beer and pickles tour. For sure. And a, For you know, sure. Yeah, there's a lot here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also the truth is I can sort of hide behind, well, you know, I need to do this for summer camp when in fact I, but it would be kind of weird to call and say, can I just come visit you? And yeah. I think they would think that was weird, but when I want to bring a bunch of kids, um, but I, I, I truly want to share these things. I am so curious about everything. So, yeah, what's behind the scenes? So, speaking of sharing, I know that you have international experience. Uh, you packed up the whole family and you guys moved um, to Austria for over a year. For two you know, years. Been gone for two years. Yeah. Recently, and then in your past, you also there when you were younger, right? Yeah, my mom is from there. Um, so you bring that into the experience yes. and into the menu? Yes. Um, we, we have done. Um, We've done a lot of international cooking, and um, and I talk a lot about the, it's not just the food and the recipes, but the experience. And for example, in most other countries besides America, people stay at the table longer and they linger. Mm -hmm. I was just listening to an interview with Selma Hayek, and she was talking about that, and the word they use in Mexico is sobremesa which is on the table or at the table. It liter you literally stay at the table after dinner and talk. And with an Austrian mother, that's how I was raised. We would just sit at the dinner table and, and talk about our days. My parents, they, they were in business together, so they would talk about things that were going on at work and my brother and I would listen. And you, you just learn so much about that. And it's important for the parents and the kids to be sitting at the table together so often the parents will feed their kids at 5.30 because they're starving, and then they don't eat until 8 o'clock at night. Give your kids a snack and maybe eat at 7. You know, obviously when the kids are very, very little, that's not going to work. But if you are feeding your kids early because they're really little, sit down and eat with them. 
And then if you want to have a second meal with your spouse and a glass of wine later, but this idea of bringing the kids to the table and taking that time, I'm actually reading a book right now. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's specifically about, because my, my husband and I were having this conversation. Why, why do we eat so fast in America? Why do restaurants turn their tables so fast? They, they do their reservations and their booking with the expectation of an hour and a half max for a party of two and two hours at the table for a party of four or six. And in Europe and in Mexico and in South America, when you make a reservation, that is your table for the night. Um, or when we were living in Austria, there was this place on the lake where we lived. Um, and if you booked it for lunch or brunch, it was yours. It was yours. So this book is, I'm, I'm still early in it, but um, it, it just, it has to do, it even goes back to furniture. It wasn't common for the colonists to have a dining room table. And a dining room was a luxury. If you're building, think about it. You're building that house out of, by yourself with your own tools and your own hands. Are you really going to have a room over there in the corner that only gets used for two hours a day? Interesting. Right? right? So um, I don't know that my little cooking school is going to be able to turn the tide in this country to slow down our meals, but I can at least influence our families and our students to just sit and linger um, even 15 minutes i find like that's how much time we usually end up taking in a regular class and it doesn't seem very long 15 minutes does not seem kids are done they're they're done eating and they're running around the soccer field and then i'll have one kid who just will sit there and chit chat with me and and i look at my watch and i'm like really it's only been 15 minutes but that's, that can even be enough to have a conversation. Um, but if you're out with your friends, linger. You don't need to order the minute you sit down. And um, that's, in, that's the community. That's the fellowship that we're talking about. It drives me crazy when my kids need to hop up right away. I was like, can you just sit down? Once, once it's time for dinner, let's just sit. And if you forgot a drink, I told you seven times to get a drink, and now we're going to sit here. Sorry, it's time to sit here. Um, yeah, but it does take perseverance from everybody. We're just gonna sit. They get used to it. They, do. they get they get used to it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I know. Sometimes we even say, okay, well, we can play a card game while we sit here. Just something Absolutely. to get everyone to linger a little bit longer. Because of course, anytime you're around and you start playing a game, conversations happen and change, and um, it's a great gathering spot. So now, how I am curious. How did you keep this moving forward when you are on the other side of the ocean? I had a great COO who kept things running here in California. Um, we had, at the time it was just the after school classes. We hadn't started branching out yet to the nonprofits. It was a vision, it was a dream, but you know, with just her here running it, you know, we didn't have the capacity. Um, we have great chef educators. So when I say she was running it, she wasn't necessarily teaching all the classes. We have chef educators and volunteers who would um, run the classes. Um, so, so she kept it going here. And while I was in Austria, I was teaching classes at my kids' school. I was teaching after-school classes, and then I was invited into um, to help with a tenth-grade nutrition class. 
So that was exciting to actually get to work more in the school setting and um, get to work with high school students. Um, in our second year, I was finally able to recruit some high school students to take the after school class. Before that, it had been the younger kids, but um, I had a 10th grader and my nephew was in 11th grade over there. And then I had friends who were seniors and I made the pitch to them. You guys are going to be going off to college. You need to learn this. And they said, oh my gosh, you're right. So they joined the class and then recruited their friends. And the class with the high school students was really, really fun. We were just contacted by a company that's gonna be doing a summer camp here in Santa Barbara. They're not a Santa Barbara company, they're from Canada, but they are doing a camp this summer at a local college campus and they want to incorporate cooking two hours a day. And they found us online and I said, we really, really, really wanna teach high school kids. We love yeah. high school kids. So they're just, they're often so busy. So um, if anybody out there is listening and you've got high school kids and you wanna put them in a group, contact us we it's so they they get it that light bulb of oh my gosh i'm leaving the house and my parents aren't gonna they aren't gonna be going to the grocery store yeah. i'm not gonna just open the cupboard and sesame oil and soy sauce and no they you gotta go find all this yourself so um so so that's exciting they know a little bit more about what they like and what they're yeah. wanting to know how to cook too yeah so right now with the elementary school kids that you're serving with apples to zucchini right now it's elementary mm -hmm. we've got um first through third graders fourth through sixth graders um and then we have oh we also have a, a we call them our littles it's um four year old and five year old um yeah tk in kindergarten it's a pod class we've got two pod classes so that was something we started with covid is that if people had groups that they wanted to stay with we let them create their own pods and then we have classes that are open to the public um, we've got spring break camp coming up. That's going to be the first three days of spring break. Um, we're hoping to do summer camps. Yeah, and we're always looking for volunteers. We are a nonprofit, so high school kids can get their volunteer hours. And we're also looking just for adults who want to volunteer. Um, and um, you don't need to know how to cook. You'll actually learn how to cook in all of our classes. You want to go on these cool... Uh, tours and they see these cool things just be a volunteer exactly you can help and you can tell all this experience. yeah it's a lot it's a lot of fun have you any thoughts of expanding beyond santa barbara like we are, are reaching out to you it's such a great concept. yeah we are talking to some groups up in santa maria so um so that'll be that'll be a big leap in terms of capacity um one of the things that we one of the changes that we made due to COVID is that we are writing all the recipes and all the lesson plans and doing all the grocery shopping. And basically the chef educator shows up and it's all ready to go. Whereas before that, each chef educator could choose his or her own recipe. We would give them grocery store gift cards and um, they would do their own shopping. Um, but in order to kind of streamline everything, we decided to kind of bring it all in-house. And it's great because now we have more quality control and we know exactly what's being made each week. Um, and we can also convey other messages. So for example, when we made walnut chorizo with lettuce cups and vegan sour cream. Yeah. Um, we were able to then have a lesson on nut nutrition. Whereas when the chefs were making their own things each week, 
there, there was never sort of that backup lesson as well. Um, so, so that's been really neat. So if we move up to Santa Maria, we'll need to figure out how to deliver. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. I grew up in Santa Maria. I went to high school up there. A lot of people from my high school are still in Santa Maria. And so they're the people that I've picked up the phone and, and called and talked to. And they're really excited. So I, I would be thrilled to be able to branch out up there. And then we're also looking into Carpinteria, which does not feel nearly as far away. <laughs> the capacity of getting classes down in Carpinteria won't be, won't be very difficult. It's just a matter of finding the right partners. Yeah. And the space. You've got to find the right space to have everybody in. Yeah. Well, and the great thing is, um, even before COVID, we were teaching outdoors. We have pop-up kitchens that we bring to venues, and we have everything we need. We have knives and cutting mats and stoves and pots and pans and beautiful serveware. Um, we have beautiful serveware from Italian Pottery Outlet. So when we set this oh, table, awesome. we are setting a gorgeous table, and it really sets the tone. Like, we're going to sit here. Back to what we were saying. We're going to sit here. We're going to enjoy this. We're going to put a napkin on our lap and pass this beautiful platter of yummy food and it just really it 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 elevates the meal um so we've been able to teach outdoors um indoors is often a lot easier but um but outdoors definitely has its benefits and whenever possible we love to take the food outside and have you know sit at a picnic table even if we've been inside at the kitchen um that's what we do at garden street academy over the summer, we were able to be in the kitchen a couple of hours a day, but we still took all the food outside to the picnic tables with our tablecloths and, and all that lovely stuff. So so finding venues is not as hard as people think. They think, oh, well, you have to have a commercial kitchen. I, I don't have one of those. That's okay. Just give me a patio. We're fine. That's so cool. Well, I have one last question for you. So here you are today on our podcast, but I understand you are launching or have recently launched your own podcast what are you hungry for right yes so tell us about that yes so um we've just been having these amazing conversations with people and we decided we really want to share them and um i feel like in covid we we're, we're missing things and we're realizing what we're missing and so the question that we've been asking is what are you hungry for and maybe it's a certain restaurant and a certain meal or it's, I just want my friends back in my house again. Or I just, I want to be on an airplane and go someplace where people don't speak English. So <laughs> it's, it's what, and it, and it could change minute by minute, you know, maybe it's, um, I, I just want a good night of sleep. And then after you've had your cup of coffee, you're ready for something different, but it's just conversations uh, about food, about cooking, about your favorite ingredients, about sharing meals and experience, about gardening, about traveling. I feel like food is a through line in so many of our experiences. Um, when we think, for example, about traveling, is it seeing the Colosseum or is it eating a pizza in Italy? Followed by gelato. Followed by gelato. And I would argue that the food part of the experience is just as important as the places that you're seeing. It's it's a part of it. We actually 
when we travel, we go on food tours. So fun. And there's there's a million of them out there now, and um, and you learn so much about the history, just like when we were talking earlier about why in America do we sit so quickly and then we're out the door. The food of a region and the eating habits and the pace of life around that, like in Spain, we all know, they don't even start dinner until nine o'clock. Well, why is that? Let's get curious and ask that question. So this, this idea of what are you hungry for, it's, 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 what, it's, it's what are you curious about or what do you miss or what do you want or what do you want to manifest in your life? Fun. That is an exciting journey. I'm going to have to check that one out. Well, sure. we're hoping that you'll be a guest on it. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I would, I would love to. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll have to think about it. Now that it's not just about food, this is this is a much broader range. I love that. Because, of course, my first thought was it's talking about food and eating, but I like that it's so much more than that. That sounds, that sounds fabulous. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much for your time today, and thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Apples to Zucchini Cooking School, you can visit their website at a to z cookingschoolorg If you'd like to learn more about American Riviera Bank, visit us at www.americanriviera.bank. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.